the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You are called to freedom. However, don't turn your freedom into an opportunity to sin or to encourage the flesh. As Pastor Gary Wagner on Abounding Grace will encourage us next. Hi there, and welcome. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Today, we turn our attention once again to the book of Galatians, where Paul says whoever practices sin also practices lawlessness. Just the same, anyone who practices sin habitually is of the devil. Now, when you become free through Christ, this does not mean you can do whatever you want. Rather, We go through glitches or rough patches, but through these times, we are to be watchful for the sin that will pull us away. And that's where we find ourselves in Galatians on today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Here's Pastor Gary. I am free from the condemnation of the law, that I'm free from what I was, and to use this as an excuse not to deal roughly with yourself and to say no to the old drives that still remain in us is to indulge the flesh and give it a beachhead. Paul describes the unbeliever in Ephesians 2.13, and he said, even concerning himself as an unconverted person, we too, he says, now listen, this is a converted person now, we too formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh. We lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. That was our environment. That was our whole life, doing whatever our old self-nature and all of its desires told us to do. But now, beloved, we have been set free from that slavery to self and to sinful desires but that doesn't mean that we can just sit back and enjoy our way to heaven without exerting any kind of energy and diligence and vigilance so that is giving in the flesh an opportunity. Whenever we are not rough on ourselves and we fondle these ideas and these drives in our minds that we know are wrong, but we say we are forgiven, so why worry about it? That type of mentality is an abuse and a perversion of the freedom that we have in Christ. The Bible teaches us that we have been called the freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. Some people think that the Lord Jesus Christ did not come to earth to save us from sin, but to save us in our sin. Sin's not that big a deal to them now that they're Christians. You know, once saved, always saved, right? He was, he's washed away my sins. The Holy Spirit is within me. I love him. and So sin is no big deal. 
To give the flesh opportunity is a total misunderstanding of what salvation is all about. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't come to save us in sin so we can keep on sinning. The Bible says in Matthew 21, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins, not simply from sinning so much, but he shall save his people from their sins. So the Lord Jesus Christ called us to freedom from sin, not freedom to sin, and freedom in sin. In other words, we should not, we must not ever live as if we have not been set free from sin's tyranny. If you allow sinful habits and sinful impulses and sinful drives to dominate your life, you are acting and living as if you were not free at all. In fact, did you know that the Bible teaches that our attitude towards sin is one of the signs of our true spiritual condition? You can tell whether or not you're a Christian, at least one of the ways that you can tell whether or not you are a real Christian, is by your attitude toward sin. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. What is the first boundary of freedom? We are free to not indulge the flesh. 1 John chapter 3, verses 4, and 9, 4 through 9. Now before I read this, I need to give you a little Greek lesson because this can be a confusing passage if you don't understand this one thing. Whenever the Greeks used a verb in the present tense, it implied continuous habitual action. So, for instance, in verse 4, when it says, everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness, you know what he appeared in order to take away. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. Now, if you didn't know what I told you in Greek, that would certainly be a scary verse. No one who abides in him sins. Now, does that mean that if you're a real Christian, you don't sin? And if you sin once, that means you're not a Christian? You don't abide in Jesus? No, sin is in the present tense. Therefore, it's talking about a habitual, continuous action as a course of life. No one who bides in him, that is Christ, sins habitually as a dominant course of life. No one who sins in such a fashion has seen him or honors him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who keeps on practicing sin habitually is of the devil. You can read the Apostles' Creed. You can quote the Shorter Catechism from memory. You can take pride in the fact that you are a Calvinist. You can think of yourself as a Christian because you believe the right things. But the one who partakes sin, practices sin habitually and continually as the dominant tone and note of their life, Paul says, is of the devil. It is only those who practice righteousness habitually and continually as the dominant note of their life who are righteous just as Christ is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil because the devil has sinned from the very beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. 
No one who is born of God practices sin habitually, continually as the dominant note of their lives because God's seed abides in him. That is the seed of new life. And he cannot sin habitually as the dominant note of his life because he is born of God. Now, I haven't heard many sermons on these verses But two or three hundred years ago, pastors preached many sermons on these verses, but not much today. Because if these are true, it may mean that most professed Christians in church today are not Christians. Are you? You say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Reformed Christian, I'm a theonomic postmillennial Calvinistic Christian. But remember... He who practices sin habitually as the dominant note of his life is a slave to sin, and he is of the devil. But anyone who is born again does not live as a slave of sin anymore. Do you have any sinful habits that you are chained to? Any sinful passions, sinful drives, sinful desires? Is jealousy eating you up with reference to someone else? What about anger? I mean, it's just eating you up. You're so envious of someone and what someone has that your eyes are just green with envy. If you are, you are a slave to it. What about sexual desires? Your eyes are full of lust. It says no one born of God is a slave of sin any longer. He can't sin like that because he has the seed of a new life. Oh, he's still a sinner. I'm not saying that if you are a Christian, you never sin. This text is not saying that. It's saying, however, that a Christian is someone whom Christ has saved from sin and not just from hell. That there is this driving passion in his life to do right. To control his flesh and to say no to sin. To try and suppress and hold down sin. And he kills those old sinful passions and habits. And he tries to encourage within himself desires and passions for goodness and for love and for righteousness. And when a Christian sins, it breaks him. And it makes him feel guilty. And there are times when he feels like he wants to just end it all. Because of the guilt that he feels. But of course he doesn't. He goes to Christ for forgiveness and renewed strength and assurance. Is that you? Those who are called to freedom are called to control the flesh. And they are given the power to control the flesh. But they will not do it perfectly in this life. But we have not been given the freedom to indulge the flesh. And let it be a beachhead, a jumping off place to excuse all kinds of other sins. Your attitude towards sin, your response towards sinful temptations tells a great deal about your true spiritual condition. And you and I must not live, if we are truly Christians, as if we have not been set free from sin's dominion. Let's look at Romans chapter 6. We're going to come back to this passage. That is why we 
read it today as a parallel passage. But I'm going to read verses 11 and 12 again because there's something unique and important about these verses. If you know the book of Romans, then you probably know there are verses like verses 11 and 12 yet in the first chapter, six chapters of, of uh, Romans. Because verse 11 and 12 are the first time in the book of Romans that Paul tells you to do something. Everything else is indicative. This is the first time you have imperative sentences, words of exhortation. So the very first words of exhortation in the book of Romans, you would think, are important ones, right? So Paul says in verses 11 and 12, Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. That is, because the Holy Spirit has changed your life, because of your union with Christ, you died with Him, you arose to newness of life, and the Holy Spirit applied His transforming power into your life. You were once dead in sin, but now you are dead to it. You have the power in you for the first time in your life to say no, and you are alive to God. This is a total reversal of what you were like before you were a Christian. Before you were a Christian, you were alive in sin, dead to God. Now that you, have, now that you are a Christian, everything has changed. And it's not because of a decision you made. Nothing happened to you because of a decision you made, but because of what God did in your life, enabling you to make the decision you made to follow him. So here God works in our lives, and sets us free from sin's tyranny, sets us free from the condemnation of the law of God, sets us free from God's anger by having God pour out that anger on Jesus as our substitute in our place, thereby turning it away from us. And now everything is different. We are people who do things who do indulge the flesh on occasions, but we hate it, and we hate ourselves for it. We loathe ourselves for it, but we never have to indulge the flesh because the great desire of our lives, the great power and desire that we have is to serve Christ faithfully. We are dead to the tyranny of sin. We are alive to God. Verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should lust. Oh, lusts are powerful things. Not just sexual lust, but lust for ambition, lust for material things, lust of envy, lust for praise, all of these things. Lust is a powerful thing. It can dominate a person's life, but now because you're dead to sin and alive to God, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Don't obey lust. As if you are a slave to it. Anyone here a slave to alcohol? Anyone here a slave to cigarettes? Anyone here a slave to food? Anyone here a slave to pleasure? Anyone here a slave to material things? Anyone here a slave to their anger and wanting things their way? There is absolutely no excuse for it whatsoever in the Christian life. You are dead to sin, alive to Christ. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. And whatever you and I do, 
There is only one reason for it. It is because we are all wretches. Whenever you give in, it's not because someone made you. Oh, she made me do it. No, she didn't. Oh, he, he made me tense and nervous, and, and he always makes me so angry. No, he doesn't. She made me say those. No, she did not. Nothing and no one makes you do anything wrong. No one has ever made you sin once in your whole life. You did it. Because of that wretched remnant of a fallen human nature that remains in you and me. And the only possible way that we can get the victory over it, which we'll talk about more on coming Sundays, is from the last part of Galatians 5. And that is by repentance and faith and renewed obedience. Look at verse 14. For sin shall not be master over you. Oh, he wants to be your master. You see, it's like a a lion crouching behind a door ready to jump on you and master you. For sin sin shall not be a master over you who are Christians. For you are not under the law, but under grace. You're not under the indictment of the law any longer. You're not under the law as a principle by which you are saved by making enough points, obeying enough laws correctly. So your standing with God is not determined by your relationship with the law anymore. It is determined by God's grace, God's unmerited favor, bestowing His mercy upon you. And in that relationship with God, that new relationship based on grace and not on law, there is a renewed power to say no to sin. So it doesn't have to master you and ruin your life. Anyone in here... Moody, people just know, don't know what to say to you because you're always in some foul mood and just dominate your whole life. Is anyone in here moody? Don't, don't admit it publicly. But do you know there is no one here that has to be moody ever? You never have to be a slave to moods. Whenever we are slaves to moods, we are living as if we are not set free by the Lord Jesus Christ. Sin never has to master us. We are not under the law as a principle of acceptance with God. We are under grace and all of the power of grace. Turn to Romans 8. As I have said on other occasions, the word law is defined by many ways in the New Testament. And you have to allow the context to determine that, especially here in this particular verse, verse 2. Here the law is better translated power or principle. Verse 2 of Romans 8. For the principle or power of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the power of sin and death. Now, The first four verses of Romans 8 are set in a great passage to help explain to people you are trying to lead to Christ who need to know more about what it means to be a Christian, that obedience to the law of God does not save. These are such wonderful verses. There is no condemnation of any kind whatsoever for those who are in Christ. Everyone else is condemned by God except those who are in Christ. Why is it that those in Christ and only those in Christ are not under condemnation anymore? Verse 2. 
because of something the Holy Spirit did within them to remove the condemnation. The power of the spirit of life set them free from the power of life and death. That's when you were converted, beloved. Prior to that moment, you were a slave to sin, but the power of the Holy Spirit set you free. And from that moment on, you have been free from the tyranny of sin and the dominion of sinful desires and passions and lusts in your life. Verse 3. For what the law of God couldn't do, as weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. We will never, never be condemned again. Even though we are new creatures, we are sinners. But Jesus Christ, once for all, with his death on the cross, accomplished the forgiveness of all of our sins forever. Now, why did he do all of this? Why did God remove the condemnation? Why did the Lord Jesus Christ die as a sacrifice for sin? Why did the power of the spirit of life set you free from sin and death? Verse 4. In order that. You see, that's a statement of purpose. Here is the purpose. Here is why God made a Christian out of you. Here is why God, Jesus died for you. Here is why the Holy Spirit set you free from the tyranny of sin. In order that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The whole reason for salvation, as far as we are concerned, ultimately is to the glory of God. But the whole reason for the salvation process is to give you the power and the ability to be free to obey God. Not as you depend upon yourself, but as you depend upon the Holy Spirit within you to give you all of the strength and the motivation you need to obey Him and not to sin. 1 Peter 2.24 says concerning Christ, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross in order that we might die to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds we were healed. The reason Jesus shed his blood was to purchase the Holy Spirit for you, to bring him into your life, to break sin's tyranny over you, so that you will not indulge the flesh again. And that the longer you live, you will die more and more to unrighteousness and wickedness. And you live more and more unto righteousness and godliness. So you see, freedom in Christ is freedom to control the flesh, not freedom to be controlled by it. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you know why he said, I have the power to control the flesh rather than be controlled by the flesh? To say no to these drives and passions that once ate him up. It is because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in his life. And verses 22 and 23 of Galatians 5 say, the fruit of the Spirit is, among other things, self-control. Yeah, yeah, the Christian is in a warfare. Romans 7 tells us that. The things you want to do, you don't always do. The things you do, you don't always want to do. But that's constant warfare. But Paul said, in my heart, I joyfully con con concur with the law of God in my inner man. But there are still remnants of this old life that I have to wrestle with until I die. But there is victory over this body of sin in the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is one of the boundaries? 
one of the boundaries of this wonderful freedom we have in Christ is this principle. God has given us freedom to control the flesh, not to be controlled by it, and to give it the opportunity to be a beachhead in our life, to advance the invasion of evil within us, but to stop it dead in its tracks. Which means one of the characteristics of every true free person is self-control. He can control himself. He can control his anger. Someone says he doesn't like something, something he doesn't like. He doesn't fly off the handle and excuse it by saying, I have an uncontrollable anger. So he is able to control himself. When other people have things he doesn't have, he can control envy and jealousy. He can control sexual appetites. He can control his moves. Oh, he never does it perfectly. But a Christian in whom the Holy Spirit lives is a person who is free to control himself and not to be controlled by anything or anyone. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484, Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.